Welcome to Kicking It Local, the podcast all about the football community in South Australia. I'm your host, Johnny Kecko, and today is part two of my chat with Jaden Labasa, and what a great chat it's been so far. Looking forward to this, and it's the final episode for 2022, and looking forward to bringing more episodes in the new year, but let's head straight into part two. Now, before we do that, if you haven't listened to part one just yet, head back and do so now. Otherwise, here is a quick refresher was it like uh, growing up in uh, in Port Perry? Oh, awesome. Um, I mean, it's like you're within a one-minute walk from your best friends, uh, no matter where, where they are. If they're on the other side of town, one-minute walk. If yep. they're right next to you, one-minute walk. It's a small town, lots of, lots of good people. Yeah, but the real heroes were probably my mum and dad, like committing to taking me to, to Adelaide three times a week, which is a six-hour round trip. Um, for two years it ended up being um, it was quite astonishing and you know we, we weren't the only ones to do it Emily Condon was yep. in the same boat and sometimes when it worked out we would carpool Now you've been at the Comets for four years it's um, going to your fifth season what's what's it been like uh, to be a part of a team that hasn't won the grand finals which you've been in four now in a row yep. um, the club as a whole but You've um, won two titles. How's that feel to, to be a part of a club that's um, one one of the, t- the toughest teams in the in the league? Yeah, it's um it's been a real privilege. Like the the group, I've never been a part of a, a group that's been so together over the last four years. You know, like um, losing grand finals, it takes its toll on you um, emotionally and, and physically. Um, but because the group is so together um, and we're, we're almost like all best friends, um, we find the motivation to just come back every single year um, to, to try and go one further. Um, and I think it speaks to our character, speaks to you know what the club's about um, with Prez, um, Dimi Panna. You know they 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 just exude everything the club's about and. People like that make you want to play for the club even more and be proud of wearing the shirt and stuff like that. So um, it's really top through bottom, uh, a very well run, very, very nice family club. So, yeah, I love it there. It's um, It does seem like there's a very tight-knit um, mm. club. You've had a lot of older players that have, um, have been there for a while, mm. so most of uh, a couple are leaving now. But mm. um, how do you see the future of the club? Could you produce some good players um, with Yangi gone overseas yeah. um, and a few others as well. So how's, how's that been um, with that club being able to prepare those players for future? Well, group? I think one one person who deserves a massive shout-out is Dimi Panna. Um, they call it the Dimi Panna <laughs> Football Factory down there because he coaches the Resies and the 18s and he's a technical director of some of the junior teams and um, he just is spitting out just top-quality youngsters year after year after year. Um, and that's why the club's sort of taken this this project on as we're going to be we're going to be look to be great in the in the short term, but we're going to set ourselves up for the long term. And um, you know, look at the players that we have come through in Tommy G, um, Lockie Stead, um, Nathan Dimmu, who's, who's back this year after going to Macarthur for a year. Um, you got a lot of young 18, 19, 20 year olds, uh, Anthony Mav, Jane Diamantis. Um, you know, that are going to Continue to, to progress um, as, as long as long with me um, and and Ryan Yates. So um, the future is definitely there. We've got a good group that's ready to, as this older group moves on um, in in age. You know we, we, they're awesome right now. But as they move on, we've got 
in five years' time, hopefully, um, the same group to sort of take their place and, and we'll just keep rotating like that, hopefully, yeah, yeah. if all goes well. Well, um, it's obviously you, you love being at the club, but mm. this year for yourself, um, in the lead-up to it, you've had some – the club's had struggles with uh, trying to – win grand finals, um, stuff like that. But yourself, you found your own struggles this year in uh, 2022. The lead up to where you are now, we'll get into that in a moment, but do you think now looking back on hindsight, this club, you're at the right club at the right time? Oh, definitely. Um, just the experience this year, the support I had from from the whole club. I'm not talking just you know the first team boys and the coaching staff. I'm talking... The committee, um, the, the the people who do all the scenes behind all the work behind the scenes, um, reaching out and, and showing their support, and um, it was massive, absolutely massive. Um, and if it wasn't for wasn't for them, you know, it would it would have been a, a much more difficult um, journey for me. But uh, yeah, it definitely felt like I was around the right people at the right time. So three games into the season, you were diagnosed with Guillain Barre syndrome, a condition which immune system attacks the nerves. Mm-hmm. So when you got diagnosed with this, what was the moment like when you found out? How how did that all like pan out for you? Um, well, it actually started. Um, like they can't, so there's always a trigger um, for for Guillain-Barre syndrome, whether or not it's um, a disease itself, such as COVID, or um, I've heard people with um, salmonella end up coming down with it, um, or whether or not it's a, a vaccine that triggers an, an, a wrong autoimmune system response. Um, there's always a trigger. Um, and in the lead up to mine, um, go, as a physio student, I was um, about to embark on my first lot of placements um, and there's a whole heap of mandates to make sure you're safe to, to go into a hospital setting with a, vo- a lot of vulnerable, vulnerable people. So um, there's a whole lot of vaccines that I had to have given beforehand um, and we're not sure which one triggered it. It definitely wasn't COVID. I had that ages ago. It wasn't the COVID vaccine, but it was it was something else that I've had. Um, and about five, six, six days later, um, I was actually at uni and my hands and my feet started going numb um, and uh, went to went to training that day um, and normally I like to get into the gym a little bit beforehand and, and do some extras. Even though my hands and feet were starting to feel a little bit numb and I was a bit worried, I still was adamant I'll do my gym session and complete training. Um, so I went into the gym and I went to pick up a weight and I couldn't make a fist to to pick up the weight. Um, so that's when I was sort of like, okay, something's really wrong here. Um, so Barney and Dimmy Panna um, were there early because it was about five o'clock, training doesn't start till six. Um, and they're like, is everything all right? Well, you normally come in a bit more excited, a bit happy. I was like, oh, I'm not feeling too well. And after this had just happened, I was like, I think it's uh, best I don't train tonight. And they were like, oh, what's wrong? I was like, I just got a headache or whatnot. Um, but I did think it was, it was going to be a little bit more serious than just a headache. Um, so I ended up going home, uh, ringing my mum and sat and driving basically the whole way with my left hand because this right hand just wasn't wasn't working for some reason. Um, so, yeah, I got home and at this point, like, COVID was still, like, unsure what, what COVID can do to the body. Like, I knew, like, muscle p- aches and pains and stuff and 
is is a part of it. So I was like, maybe it's just, just some weird reaction, or maybe I've got COVID. So the family sort of stayed clear from me. I went upstairs, went in my room, um, and that's when things start to take a turn for for the worst. Yeah, Jeez. yeah. Did you have any feelings before going home and stuff about what could be like what mm. this could be? Like, you know, you said about you had the thoughts of uh, might mm. be COVID. Mm. But did you ever have any thoughts about the the vaccines you just had? Was there mm. anything um, like that? Would that had been triggered yet, or just you just? I didn't know at that point. We we only sort of connected the dots late afterwards because at this stage there's a million things going through through your mind. Given my physiotherapy background, like in my in my studies, um, bilateral, so both legs, both arms, mm. loss of sensation, um, sort of numbness feeling is a red flag. Um, that that we screened for, so I knew something was was pretty serious, seriously going on. Um, I was hoping it was more of an infection, such as a COVID or whatnot, because that sort of stuff can can be dealt with um, pretty easily, and that wasn't something um, drastic. Um, but then after it started to take a turn, I was like, okay, this is is serious. So like that night, I started having really bad nerve pain um i was i was up all night and i uh, couldn't get comfortable and the numbness started to grow up my f- up my legs and up my hands and up yep. my arms um and that was when i was like the next morning I, I woke up and was struggling to get out of bed due to the pain at this stage i was still had my strength the numbness like loss of sensation was there and the pain was there um so i was like to mama i think it's we got to do something about it. i think we've got to go to the hospital um and she um, was like yeah we definitely do had had no doubts about it so quickly jetted off to to the calvary private private hospital because we thought you know this is quite serious i need to get seen straight away and i don't want to be lining up and waiting yep. for a long time so we we're happy to pay whatever it was to get to get seen urgently um yeah, yeah. well you got on top of it very quickly yeah. do you think the family environment and the way you, the dynamic of your family helped you to be more honest with your family and got you the treatment you needed quicker than others because I know of a lot of people that have had similar situations um, where they've been too worried about telling their family mm. or they just hold it on for a little bit longer. Yeah. Do you reckon your family dynamic helped you oh, get through it a bit quicker? Oh, definitely. Um, our family, I think most of my friends and, and uh my close ones know that our family is a very open book. Yeah. We, we share everything and I think that's the best way to be. Um, and uh, especially, you know, with my mum, she's uh, always there to support us through any illness or whatnot. Mm. So um, it was quite easy talking to her about it and she was act quite, she acted quite quickly and, uh, you know, as a, a worried parent uh, mm. would. And, um, yeah, it was her that was massive through those early stages was was huge yeah what was the next stage of this um of this syndrome once it you you worked out there's something not right Mm. you went to the doctors what was uh, the 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 moments after that what Mm. what was uh, next to come so i originally went to that the the emergency um office but down at calvary straight away and the doctor came in he, he listened to my story and was like well there's three things going on uh there's one of three things going on he was like you've either pinched a nerve or something in the gym which didn't make sense for me because like i said the both arms both legs um loss of sensation neural pain as mm. a physio i was like it, it doesn't make sense um and he was like option number two is there's some sort of infection virus thing coming going on which i was like maybe because you know i had headaches i had sort of temperatures yeah. and whatnot so there was some level of 
signs of infection. Um, and then he was like, well, the third option is you might have MS. And when he said that, Jeez. it was like, wow, like it was, yeah, all the hairs on my arms just sort of shot up. So that that was the scariest part when, when that was thrown in, in the mix. Um, and he was like, there's not much we can sort of do for you here. And he actually sent me home. Oh, um, yeah, he said just to monitor symptoms and come back if anything worsened. Um, so I actually went back home for the night. And that's when I started losing the numbness, started getting long, like going up my body. And then I started losing the strength to the point where, like, I couldn't get out of a seat. Walking started to become difficult. My shoes were really heavy, so my, I had really floppy feet. And I was like, no, nah, we got to go back. And mum, mm. yeah, straight away took me back. And uh, that's when I was, yeah, finally admitted. To the, to the hospital and they started doing some scans and whatnot. And how long was it after that you found out it was um, Guillain-Barre and you could rule out MS? Because that, that would have been a bit of a shock, obviously, yeah. Yeah, yeah. having so, that on the cards. So straight away, once I went in the, the next time, they started doing all the scans for MS and, and on my heart because I, like, I had a lot of back pain and stuff like that. So apparently the heart, if you have heart problems, it can not only go through your, your front of your chest and whatnot, it can go through your back. Um, so straight away I had CT scans on my heart and, and whatnot. Um, and then I went for MRIs on, on my brain and spinal cord to, to, to rule out MS. Um, yep. so that, that, that was, that acted pretty quick within a day or so I was able to get all those scans done and, and see the neurologist about them. Um, and then that's when we got the news that it was an MS, um, which was, which is good, um, obviously. And, but they still didn't know what it was. Um, and, um, it was sort of a process of elimination from there. So I had something connected to me at all times and they were frequently taking bloods out of me every hour or two and, um, sending them to, to biopsies to look at what's going on. So it was, there was a whole lot of other tests, nerve conductions, whatnot. Um, so it was, it was quite grueling. Yeah. Mm. But, um, that's, that, that, that that week of week and a half of being in the hospital is it just kept getting worse every single day to the point um, that I did end up I ended up in a wheelchair to get to my appointments because I couldn't walk couldn't couldn't chew my food because I couldn't open my jaw um, it was it was basically I basically became um, almost almost paralysed yeah it was, it was crazy and at this point you knew you had Gillian Barre right? no I still yet. no no at this point I'm still doing all these tests um, how did they manage to find out that and pinpoint exactly what you had basically process of elimination um, looking at my clinical picture like everything all the signs and symptoms I had going on plus the nerve conduction test showed um, significant impairments <coughs> of, of basically all these nerves um and yeah they were able to figure out that's my immune system um it's called cellular mimicry where you can either get sick or a vaccines in your body and your immune system is meant to to defend your body and attack those cells yep. um and create antibodies but what what can happen is those cells can look like the cells in your nerves so my immune system was rightfully doing its job attacking the cells that of the vaccines or whatnot, um, but they were getting mixed up and also attacking the, the myelin. It's called the myelin sheath around your nerves, which is basically the insulin around your nerves, um, and basically was eating away at that. And hence, I was having all this loss of power, strength, sensation, and it was basically all over 
my body. Yeah. Once you found out what it was, Gillian Barre, of you mm. probably um, would have known the the severity of it and mm. where it could get to. Mm. Did that ever play um, on your mind of what? what could be the scenario um obviously we know where you are now mm. which is fantastic but at that point did you ever have those any thoughts mm. about it well yeah obviously it was very difficult stage um the worst part was doctors not not being able to give me a time frame because it's so variable um depending on the amount of damage that's gone on so um basically the doctor was like it could be months it could be years it could be forever we they don't they can't pinpoint it some people quicker than others some people never have permanent nerve damage and will will suffer the consequences for the rest of their life so it was that part of the the unknown was the hardest Mm. yeah definitely the hardest thing about the whole the whole process does it can you get rid of it completely or is it always still there or so there's no exact treatment to help regrow your nerves. Um, they haven't they haven't got that far yet, but there is a treatment to stop the attack on your nerves, and it's called um, IVIG. Um, but basically, you have to have a, a spinal tap where um, they take fluid out of your spinal cord to f- assess it and find the proteins, the exact cells that are causing this destruction, so they can pump you with antibodies against that or whatnot, and hopefully balance everything out um obviously there's a level of degree of um risk with a spinal tap and whatnot taking fluid out your spinal cord and already being in a vulnerable position neurally um it was something that i wanted to try and avoid so there's a there was about four week window where you can sort of get treatment to stop the attack um and that won't help regrow the nerves but it will stop you from getting worse so Mm. We left it to the last minute and it was one one day in the hospital where I woke up um, and I was like had to vomit and I was dizzy and I uh, had fevers, temperatures. It was the worst morning ever. Um, and then I quickly, then it quickly just went away. It quickly just like stopped and it was like I'd finally found peace in, in the hospital room for the first time since I'd been wow. in there to the point where I could actually, I actually end up going to sleep for about four or five hours which wasn't what i wasn't able to do for a good two weeks i wasn't able to get more than a couple hours sleep and um that's when it was like okay i think i think the attack stopped i think my body sort of equaled out now i don't mean i'd like turn back to normal but it meant the pain was a little bit better and um it wasn't getting worse at, at, at a sense, you know what I mean? How far off was this? Like how many weeks into it? This was about a couple of weeks in. Yeah, yeah. And um, at this stage, my mum finally got her first hours of sleep as well because she stayed up every single night with me right next to me at the hospital. Um, and yeah, it was like something just turned, something just stopped. Yeah, it was, it was weird. Well, you obviously beforehand, you you were so heavily involved in football. The amount of trips you did to and from <laughs> Port Perry just to play football, um, play state football, play for Atlanta United and all that. How much of a struggle was it to to be where you were at that stage and know you can't play at the moment and not know if you were going to play ever again? How how was that for you? How did you manage to deal with that? Well, I didn't sort of let my mind go down that path. I was yeah. quite stubborn. Like, I still th- believed that I would play in three, four weeks' time. Like, that's yeah. the way I was like. I was watching the games on my phone at home and I was telling my mum and dad that, you know, 
you know, I'm playing this year. I don't, I don't care what they say. Mm. Like, I'm, I'm going to do it. Um, and they're like, yeah, yeah, go, go, try and get some sleep, whatnot. Um, find your, get, have, take your medicine, try and be comfortable. Um, but it was never like I never thought. Okay, I might not play soccer again until I was in the midst of the rehab and I saw how where I actually was physically for the first time and yeah. that came about four or five weeks into it into it yeah. so what was the, the 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 worst part of it the peak of your of the illness where, where was that what how far were you like because you couldn't eat yeah you're the numbness you're in a wheelchair what was the 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 um, peak of that that was about two weeks in and that's basically yeah I was, that was I was in intense pain I was on endone that would give me about 15 minutes yeah relief to try and get to sleep and if I didn't get to sleep in that 15 minutes I would be up all night with the pain um and and the, the numbness feeling and the inability to basically move um I was having boost juice um, basically breakfast, lunch and tea because I couldn't eat my I couldn't eat because my jaw wouldn't move. So that was about two weeks in. Um, and then it slowly started getting better from there. But I'd say the mental battle started about four or five weeks in because the first two weeks it's fresh, it's new. Um, you're just trying to get to the next day, the next day with in as little amount of pain as possible. Mm. Um, and try and just yeah, you couldn't think that far ahead. But then once I was back into the gym doing the rehab, that's when I feel like the mental battle started becoming just as hard as the physical the yeah. physical one, yeah. The um having your family there would have been a massive um help as well. But mm. if you didn't have them there, do you think you would have been able to do it as quickly? No, uh, definitely not. Like legit I'm telling you my mum probably got two, three hours sleep. Um at max a night for about a month um, because I was in significant pain. She was getting me heat bags, uh, getting my medicine. Um, she was naturally just stressed herself, so she couldn't sleep. And, um, yeah, we still got through it together. My brothers, a couple nights, would take shifts, try and say, Mum, get some sleep. Um, and, and they would come in the room and because I, I, I needed if I needed water for my medicines, I couldn't get up and get it. If I needed to go to the toilet, I couldn't get up and do it. Yeah. If I needed any, I was completely dependent on, on my family. Um, but yeah, mum struggled to sort of let go of the rain. So she ended up still being there with my brothers. So it basically everyone was sleeping in their room downstairs because I couldn't, I couldn't get upstairs. Um, and everyone was taking turns to get me a little bit of this, a little bit of that, um, staying up for a couple of hours just to keep me company because, you know, you become lonely 24-7, mm. stuck in a bed um, post-hospital. Um, and, yeah, so my brother used to, yeah, they, 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 had to, they had to shower me, they had to dress me, they had to do absolutely everything. And then, you know, once I started to be able to walk again, that's when my brothers really sort of um, took the reins and pushed me. And, you know, I used to do, there used to be this 400 meter block around my house where there still is. But, um, and we used to try and walk it and we'd time it every day. Um, <coughs> and it would be about four, 400 meter walk would take me about 15, 16 minutes. It yeah. was like very slow. Um, but we'd time it and the next day we'd try and beat it, try and beat it. So, and they'd do it with me and the support there was, was awesome. So like it was my whole family really just lent in and, and helped me get through it. Yeah. And it's, it would have been a big recovery to try and get through this situation because where you were and then where you are at that moment is two different 
things and to try and get back there it's going to take a lot longer mm. and you had the support of your family but also a moment which you never thought or well, a lot um which we weren't sure if it was going to happen is getting back onto the field mm. and we got to speak to your uh the head coach uh, barney smith who was very instrumental as well in uh, in that period as well as the club he got to speak after the game the second appearance back at um, LA Comets, and that was in a uh, elimination final against Metro Stars at Service FM Stadium. This is what he had to say about the moment. And then Jaden Labasso, what a lovely moment, mate. I heard you say to him, Jaden, it's your time, mate. That must have been a great moment for you to get him back on the pitch. Oh, look, what that kid's gone through um, is is quite remarkable. Um, super proud of what he's done, and um, for him to be back now, still in our squad, able to play in the final series. Well, I talked to him by his bedside when he when he couldn't get out of bed physically. He just physically couldn't get out of bed. And I remember saying to him, you know, just believe, Jaden, and and work hard, and um, just dream about being back on that field. And who knows, you could be playing in the finals with us. And here he is playing in the finals with us. So, all credit to him. He's done an, an amazing rehab to get where he is. Super dedicated to his body and doing it right so that he could get back on the field. Um, so it's great to have him. We've missed him all season. How was it to have Barney by his side and helping you through that? Yeah, it was um, It was huge. So as soon as I sort of got back to home and was discharged from hospital, um, Barney came over um, and, and he was messaging me, ringing me the whole time uh, throughout the whole process and came over several, several days and just spent the morning with me and had a coffee and and whatnot, and exactly what he said. He, he said, just manifest that you're going to be back playing with us at finals. Um, and I, I took his word for it, and I did it. Um, and I was I was manifesting I would get back for finals. Um, and people were saying, you know, and my mum was saying, don't worry about football. Like, it's your health is – your football will come. Just worry about your health. And I was I was said to my family, I was like, I know if I'm well enough to get back to playing football – um, that I'm well enough to be back to normal life and I'm mm. in a healthy, strong position. Um, if I'm well enough to play football at that level, I'm, I'm back to normal. Um, so they, they, they understood. Um, so, yeah, Barney was, was huge. He was like, just keep believing you're going you're gonna to be there with us. Um, and looking back, I don't, I, don't, I don't know how he was so confident in that because he saw where I was at mm. and... Um, but he, he, he gave that belief to me and if it, if it wasn't for him, I don't know, nah, I wouldn't have got it done. You wouldn't have? You nah. don't believe so? No, nah, not at all. Not, nah, not at all because, you know, even the process, like when I first got back to, to training, I was really unco, you know, I still had a little bit of loss of sensation in my feet. Um, I had to learn how to run again because I was so uncoordinated and whatnot. Um, but he was adamant that, I was training with the first team, um, yeah. even though I'd break drills down and, you know, sometimes it would be a bit frustrating for all the boys given, you know, how, how limited I was and how bad I was in my, those first few trainings. He was like, nah, you're, you're doing this journey with me. You're doing this journey with us because you're going to play this year. And I was like, I don't know why he had that belief. Um, uh, you, ha- you have to ask him, but he was, yeah, the whole time was, was massive support and made me feel confident in myself that I could do it. If you didn't have that, do you reckon mm. it would have been a bit harder not having that coach oh, oh yeah. if, relationship with him? If I didn't have that relationship where he believed in me like that, there's no way I, I get a, get to play in those finals games and, and play in my fourth grand final. There's no way. Um, you think about having a whole year off mm. playing. I think I ended up playing one Resi's game, one full Resi's game. 
and then be in the squad for the final series. Um, given everything I'd gone through and where I was in my body physically, you know, I lost 10 kilos worth of muscle, so I wasn't fast and as strong as I once was. Um, I lost, you know, I was lost my touch. I was unfit because I hadn't done a lot of running. I hadn't, you mm. know, I wasn't where I was physically um, or mentally. You know, the confidence of playing um, and having that that your touch with you and yeah, I, like there's no way if if he didn't believe in me as a as a player or as a person um, the way he did, and that was something that you know Barney as a coach has for his players more than than probably anyone I've ever experienced like the belief he had in me made me so much of a better player so if it wasn't for that I, I don't I don't get back to the field and play in that grand final no and that belief that he had in you for this situation do you reckon the way he handled that is why your club got to so many grand finals definitely definitely because it was like um it's sort of our mindset like you know if one person's in a, in a shit situation, sorry for my language, mm. that everyone will band together and will pull you along with us. That's basically how we've got to our, our grand finals, that sort of mentality of, you know, um, no man left behind. Everyone's mm. chipping in and helping everyone get to where they need to. So it, it, it extends throughout the whole club, uh, you know, through Barney, through to, to Prez and, and Dimi Panna and, like us, you know, to big key features and Con who's still in a role who was the coach originally of the team when I first got there and through the whole playing group the leadership group um special shout out to to Jules um Julian Torres and he's uh he was massive throughout the whole process himself um and he ends up going down injured and he was um actually on the bench for the grand final as well and he had to have knee surgery the week Jeez. after um, so, you know, um, but he was massive for me as well as giving me the, the belief as well as what Barney was doing. He was constantly messaging me, ringing me, getting me out to my first game, getting me out to the, my first training to, to watch the boys. Um, it was it was that sort of way inclined throughout the whole group. Um, and it was the same for, for when Jules went down. Yeah. Mm. So during that process of when you're try, um, not going to training just yet, mm. You had the players reaching out to you to try and get you out and get do things with you. Is that what was going on? Yeah, like obviously the whole process. I was getting messages from ev- absolutely everyone in the team, everyone in the club, um, and Jules was quite keen on getting me out earlier, probably earlier than I, w- I was ready to, um, because you know I, when you can't walk, <laughs> like it's very hard to get to a game where there's stairs or whatnot, mm. and there's very hard to get down to the, the pitch side and, and be on the bench like like the boys were wanting. But Jules literally messaged me, um, I'll, ha- I'll carry you if I have to. Um, so that week I didn't get it done. I, I just still wasn't there physically. The week after I was able to get to the Thursday night training um, where yeah where I got to see the boys again for the first time, which was which was quite emotional, um, and then I was able to stay for dinner, and then I was able to get to that game on that sad day. How special is that? Looking back on it, mm. the support you had from the club and the mm. players and the coach, um, how special is that for you? Oh, you can't put into words. You feel like you're in, you're indebted to these type of people for for the rest of your life because you know it was the toughest thing I've had to do do with my whole life, obviously, um, and to see the support network around me. And it wasn't just at Comets. It was throughout the whole football community. Mm. Um, I was receiving, you know, great tweets and messages from absolutely everyone in the sport. Um, and, you know, these are people that you, you compete with and naturally have to have a bit of 
um, probably angered towards, you know, because <laughs> you're competing with them, you know. But um, when push comes to shove, everyone's a tight-knit community and, you know, we're all footballers. We all want everyone to, to be well and, and to compete with and, and, and all that. So it was it was amazing, yeah. It's incredible to see from where you were to, to where you got into. And the cl- we talk about the club, um, how much they've done for it, but how special was it the, the way they treated you? Because you told me off air that they bought you a jersey, Mm. Um, a Liverpool jersey. Yeah. <laughs> um, they got you out to dinner and yeah. they all got around you mm. and Barney got you in the club rooms. What was that moment like when you had when you put it all together? What was it like for you to, to have all those moments from this one club? Oh, it's it's something you will never forget um, and you put the, I put that on top of the memories we've made in terms of winning the league titles a couple of times and celebrating them. Um, and, and celebrating some big games to make grand finals. And you look at all the memories that you have football-wise and they're all amazing. But that one, those sort of memories through that stage top it pretty clearly mm. um, in terms of what the club's given me is far more than I can ever give give the club and, 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 and the playing group. Mm. And you look at clubs where they make the grand final um, and the, some, some clubs have their own turmoil, stuff going on in the club, and it brings them closer together. Mm. Nothing like what you obviously went through, but those low moments brings people together. Mm. Do you reckon this year was a lot harder for the LA Commons to get into the grand final? Because you didn't finish top two, mm-hmm. you finished out of the two, and then mm-hmm. you had to win every single game in the lead-up, and there were some tough opponents mm-hmm. as well along the way. But you managed to do it and get to the grand final, and unfortunately things didn't go your way in the grand final, but yourself... Torreson, um, you had also Daniel Vaughan who was um, who was injured yeah. in three different places. Um, so that those type of moments, do you reckon that brought you guys really, really close together and got you through to the grand final? Well, I reckon those type of moments sums us up as a group and as as a club. Um, when you look at those type of moments in terms of you know what's what happened, obviously with me. What happened with with Jules, who was having a fantastic season, and you know was hoping to end his career out on the high because he had announced his retirement, mm. and then to not be able to go out on your own accord and get injured, um, and that sort of be taken away from him, um, and then Dan playing on one leg throughout the whole mm. final series, and was probably the player of the whole final series. Um, he, you know, got us there, and then you look at the games. You know, it was a grind out win against Croydon. It was penalty shootouts against Metro after a, a tight contest. It was finally beating Campbelltown at Campbelltown um, to make a grand final. And then in the grand final, within 20 minutes, you lose a player and get someone gets sent off. But we and we went one 0 down, and but we still clawed our way back into mm. the game and gave us every self a chance. I think that just sums up that whole final series. That whole year sums up the last four years of the group, the group's characteristics, the mentality around the club, you put that all together and it's probably the first time I've actually thought about it. It's probably the best sort of um, display of what the club's about. It's, um, it's yeah, it's the whole, the what's happened overall, is it is a little bit inspirational to see how far the setbacks yourself had and others and to still be able to push yourselves forward mm. and get there. Is yeah, is inspiring, and for yourself as well. Have you looked now that where you are now? You're you're playing, you're getting ready for a new season now. Do you look back sometimes and think about where you were 
five oh, months ago? Every single time. Every single time. So like just the other week I'm trying to get I'm trying to get fit for preseason this year. And um I went went for a run. Um and I ran around the 400-meter block that I took 15 minutes for me to get around, um, stumbling around um, where I, the weight of my shoes was just too much to pick my foot up. And then all of a sudden I'm flying through it and I'm running. And it's like it sort of takes you back to yeah. wow, how far I've come. And I think it changes your perspective on, on a lot of things. Yeah, for sure. How... um. If you think back to the moment where you were at your, the peak of the, the syndrome, how it attacked your body, how does that feel now thinking back to where you were? Does that edge you on to get further? It just sort of, like I've always been a very driven person um, physically and for in other areas for sport and for study and whatnot. Um, but it just makes you, yeah, I, I think it, it hasn't changed my drive it's just changed some of my perspective on, on things um, and and on people. Like some of the people, you know, you just change your, your gratitude for for some for mo- everyone basically. So, yeah, that, that's the only thing. Yeah, I try and not think about it too much. I just try and get back to normal life where you just, you know, I was just a naive young, yeah. young adult who liked to have a few drinks with his mates and play soccer on the weekend and, and whatnot. So just trying to get back to where it's not in my mind yeah. um, constantly, which, you know, is, is difficult in its own right. But, um, yeah. That's You're only 22? 22, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so have you felt like you've grown up a lot in the last six, seven months? Oh, I we had to. Yeah, before before I got sick, I was, you know, I was still acting like a young, young adult. <laughs> now I feel like I've grown up significantly, yeah, like for the better yeah definitely yeah the um it's amazing and i think that you went through something massive and you managed to get to where you are now mm. playing which a lot of people didn't and i think it's a it's a it's something that people can look back on and mm. see i know you don't like uh you're very humble but mm. it is something that's huge and people go through little setbacks and it's good to see the the mentality the way you dealt through it you're an inspiration to a lot of people i think that may go through something mm. at one stage that to just to if you have the right backing and the right mm. mentality, you can get through anything. Yeah, and the right support. Um, like I missed a whole term of uni um, and was still able to end up doing an intensive course, pass all my exams and go on my first placement that I was originally meant to go on and pass that with flying colours mm. and continue my studies as well as my sport. But that came from my family, that came from my educators at uni, that came from my coaches, my teammates, Um um, yeah, and to eventually, within six months, pass um, pass my uni uh, first year of masters um, and playing an MPL grand final. Um, given all that in the six month period post being diagnosed with with getting AMBRA is yeah, looking back on it was a big year for me for sure. <laughs> absolutely, mate. It's absolutely, yeah. it's great to look on now the story that you've you've had and this the where it's gone now because mm. it's incredible. Um, and one thing when people see this, we always Google to see what mm. what the Guillain-Barre syndrome is or something we don't know about. And when I Googled, I saw a, um, another NFL player uh, from the Dallas Cowboys yeah. who had um, the same situation. Mm-hmm. And it's um, it's amazing to see other stories that weren't in the, in the limelight, but there's other stories of people 
uh, are a lot severe. But it's it's great to see where you are, mate. And it's actually it's a, it's awesome to see the story that uh, you've the way it's panned out. And hopefully, we can see more success for you. Cheers, mate. Well, that, that's the plan. And like you said, the NFL player. I remember when I first died, and I was watching a podcast about him talking through it. So it's a full circle moment now that I'm on a podcast talking about my story through it. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, and it's did, been good. did that story help? listening to him and what went what he went through massively because like i said the unknowns were huge like no Mm. doctor could tell me absolutely anything um but his story um yeah was absolutely huge in terms of giving me some sort of sense of what i had to do um and i i think i'd be really um, bad of me to not mention the two people who helped me get back physically which was um me and um and Andy, um, Andy's based at the club, Andy Ferner, um, and Megan's a physio down at, um, she's at, at Revo, um, and I did all my rehab through them too, um, a physio and an exercise scientist, and um, yeah, them two got me, got me to where I was, so um, have to give them a big shout out physically, they got me, got me where I had to go. Mm. It's it's great of you to to acknowledge people like that. It seems like you've had a lot of people mm-hmm. supporting you as well through this journey. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think I have to also personally shout out my my beautiful grandmother Natalie Pizzani. Um, when I'm speaking about the whole process, about you know my parents, my brothers, um, she was actually there throughout it all and was a, a massive support um, for me. She actually um, moved in with us. Um, when it, when it all took place and I came back from the hospital and, uh, she was, she was massive support for my mother in terms of getting, um, the house in order for her, but she was also, um, massive with me. Um, she spent lots of late nights up with me, um, was always there during the day, helping me, um, do the little uni work that I could, um, and get up and moving whenever. Um, so, you know, I'm talking about my mum, my dad, my brothers, um, but um, my grandmother, Natalie, was, you know, the silent yeah. um, hero throughout it all. Yeah. Our great grandparents. Yeah. Matt, she was she was amazing throughout it all. Um, so uh, well, I'm almost finished my physio degree and I feel like I owe her a few, a few uh, free sessions <laughs> when I'm done. Um, so more than that, actually. But uh, yeah, she was, she was amazing. Well, let's hope that this uh, podcast interview can help one or two people, just like Travis Frederick's uh, interview helped you get through uh, your situation, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and a big year coming for you next year. Hopefully, we can see you playing more uh, more frequently. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the next year. Hopefully, it's an uninterrupted season for me. Um, but I'm also looking forward to, you know, got a new coach in, in GT coming in. Um, uh, learning from from another great coach, um, I've heard nothing but but great things from him about him. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to to f- further developing and and seeing what next year brings for me. Yep. Thank you for sharing the story with me as no well, because uh, um, it was it was great to hear about how it all uh, panned out for you and knowing where you are now. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it was uh, awesome for you to be able to share that. And I appreciate you sharing it um, on here on Kicking It Local. Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been awesome. It uh, it has, but uh, we've got to end it now on the uh, the kicking the questions, which I do with all my guests now, because okay. this is the way we end all my uh, interviews. And looking forward to this one now, who would you love to kick it with on the park? Anyone in the world? Anyone in the world or locally? Um, or you can choose either. So uh, Anyone in the world would have to be uh, Bo Salah. Yep, nice. Um Pre- previously, it was Felipe Coutinho. I was a massive Coutinho fan, so I'd have to have him out with a shout. 
Um, and locally, just the boys that I'm already playing with. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> love kicking it with them. Yeah, yeah, killer. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and now, uh, who would you love to kick it with on a Saturday night? Someone locally and someone internationally. Ryan Yates locally. Yeah. And Jack Fladden. <laughs> them two, I don't know what it is, but they can go from nine o'clock to nine p nine a.m. to nine p.m. Really? Nine p.m. to nine a.m. They are the best family to go out with, and yeah, you're, you're gonna have fun. Party animals. Too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not, not so much. They're not party animals. They just you know enjoy a good, good good company. Yeah. Um, that you know they yeah. What about through the World Cup? Because there's some weird times during the World Cup. Today we. Did you ever watch the World Cup with them? Yeah, yeah. They would have been able to uh, get through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Them too, yeah. yeah they get sign me up for a night with them too. Uh, full drinks into watching World Cup. You, yep. you have a good time, yeah. Awesome, man. And who internationally would you love to kick with on the Saturday night? Uh, LeBron James. LeBron James. Yeah, I know. He's, uh, yeah, not known for his party um, side, but um, I'd love to have a few drinks with LeBron James and... Hear some of his stories, yeah. I'm sure there'd be plenty of stories yeah. there to tell. <laughs> Mate, well, absolute pleasure chatting with you. I appreciate you sharing the story once again with us. Um, it's it's a great way to end off 2022 because the final uh, interview for this year and what a one to, to do. And I really appreciate you uh, giving your time to chat and share the story. Cheers, mate. Appreciate it. That was Jaden Labasso. Make sure you subscribe to Kicking It Local wherever you get your podcasts so you can get a taste of the SA football community. Plus, follow at Kicking It Local SA on Instagram and Twitter so you don't miss any of the action. See you soon.